Hey! We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions. With practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins, or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. I see uh, Letitia asking a question here. Like immediately came through. She said, is there a time when you should meet the person you are dating, their friends, their family? Um, so hypothetically, if you're dating someone for, let's say, seven months and haven't met anyone, is that a potential red flag? What do you say? I say it is a potential red flag, but it's not based upon time. Potential. When I say potential, that means it could be or it could be not. What makes it a red flag is if you feel like you're being hidden. Mm-hmm. Again, let me let me lay down the rules. We do not like giving time periods because if you if if. Once we once the human mind gets locked into the clock, they stop watching the person and start watching the clock. So we're not necessarily looking at the time, um, but we are looking at the person. So how how is it potentially for seven months? It depends on how they're treating you throughout their seven months. Everybody doesn't have a working relationship with their family. Everybody doesn't have a working relationship with the people who you might have a working relationship with. Right. As far as intimate relationships with mom, with dad, if they if they um, if they're alive with sisters, with brothers, everybody doesn't have that. So you want to be very careful with judging somebody based upon an arbitrary number. So what you want to do is you want to identify how they're treating you, how they're conversating with you with. What is their uh, talk like? What is, what is their conversation like? Are they telling you that do they have someone in their life that they're connecting you to or or that they're opening up their life to you in some way, shape, form or fashion? It doesn't just have to be family. I think we've fallen into this uh, tradition of bring her home to the family, bring her home to mama and then... Um, and then she, all right, get, let her get the test, if you will. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would, I mean, based on what you said, though, the key thing is if you feel like you're being hidden. And I think you know if you feel like you're being hidden or not. If you're, and especially if everywhere else in the relationship has been fast tracked, but this one area here is the only thing where you feel like you haven't been let in, where you've let them in and been able to, um, give them goodness and graces in your life. I'm trying to be PC about it. Like, but if you've given them everything on your keep end, your cookies to yourself. Yeah. You've given them all the cookies, right? And then you have opened your life up to them and they've insisted on being in your life in all those areas, but you don't feel that being reciprocated in you, in their life. That's where it becomes a potential red flag because then it, then it begins to look like they are carrying on about their life with you you apart from everything else where it feels like almost like a double life or something and so you pay attention to those kind of signs right and if you if it is a red flag to you because only you can say that then you begin to pull back until you begin to see things in other areas that really make you feel better about that relationship absolutely hope we answered that question let's go to jay's here right here is it possible to regain an ex's love 
Uh-huh. That's the first part. The second part is, is there a pathway to redemption to someone you lost and hurt? So part one is, is it possible to regain an ex's love? Yes, of course. People are people. There's always going to be an open heart. There's always going to be an opportunity. Not always going to be. Right. But there is there is there can be an opportunity for someone to change their mind about you. Yep. Does it happen often? Unfortunately, it does. Right. <laughs> and I say unfortunately because in the ways that Takara and I see it, we see people going way back when they when they when they get tired and they just go back to something old and familiar. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But in a good way, in a really good way, there is an there is a chance. Okay. Now, what designates that chance? Number one, do they want to? Okay. Yeah. We have to we have to be cognizant that we can't trick, coerce. Uh, game, talk, uh, convince somebody into getting somewhere where they don't want to be. So do they even want to be there? That's number one. Number two um, is how far away from what hurt them are they? The closer they are to the reason why they left, the, the, more, uh, the more likely they will not come back. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. It's like a burn. It's like someone who got burnt, right? If you got burnt um, immediately after the burn, even if you run in, uh, run your finger or your hand under lukewarm water, it's going to hurt. It takes time for you to be able to develop that a level of tolerance so that you can consider being washed in that water again. So, and that's the same thing when it comes to a lost love. There comes, it needs to be a, enough time and healing to give them the opportunity to even consider. Because if you don't give them that time and opportunity, then they're going to constantly be under hurt and duress. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, go ahead. No, did, did you, were you going to say something else? I was, I was just going to uh, riff, jump right on over here. No. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because I have two things to say on that topic. Yes. The first thing is... Um, you said it's absolutely possible. Yes, it is. But they need that time to heal, right? Yep. And so um, because I know a gentleman asked this question, one of the things I think for us to understand about women is that typically we a lot of times women do give you a lot of chances. And I think what tends to be missed in relationships sometimes, I'm not sure if this is you in this situation, but just generally speaking, what tends to be missed is that if a woman has been hurt within the relationship and she keeps giving you chances but hasn't walked away, that's considered giving you another chance and regaining their love back. But once they've been hurt to a certain extent and then they are now put in a position to where they make up in their mind to leave, it is very challenging to get them back into that position because like my husband says, has said before they become callous to that situation and so it's, it's challenging it's not impossible but it is challenging what can exacerbate us in that moment is if you continue to try to get us back um and and pulling on us and trying to get us back in that situation without giving us that proper time to heal whether it's a male or female and you're trying to get someone back honestly the most attractive thing you can do is begin to work on you if you know you hurt somebody, if you know you were in an unhealthy place, step away from that. Stop trying to focus on trying to get them back and focus on getting to a healthier version of you. Maybe you'll be more attractive to them or maybe you now learn and can do the next person right the next time around. Abs, that is absolutely right. So key in on what Takara said there. 
Takara said that the woman went through her chances. It may not be your situation, but she went through those chances and those tolerances during the relationship. So she was actually um, fending off the hurt. She was already being hurt. So it wasn't like she got hurt and left. It was she was uh, participating in her own hurting and then finally Mm. had enough. Yeah. So key in on key in on that. Um, also key in on what Takara said about the best things you can do, because I'll tell you, when we talk about the pathway, a lot of men hate to hear this answer because of how men think. We believe that we have to go get them and bring them back because we're protectors. So we're so we're automatically hands on mentally, emotionally and spiritually and physically like we want to go and bring them back so yes. that they can see that we're different. Mm-hmm. We want to we want to change it physically. We want to just get them right. But also we are also in a place where we're trying not to fail ourselves. Yeah, we're in a we're in a place where we're trying not to see ourselves in, uh, as failures, if you will. And so men really hate this particular part of advice because it's never responding to how we want to do it. Um, and, and the reason why I know is because I've walked through It's not that I just walked others through it. I've walked through it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what to do. Number one, give her time. Number two, respect her time. Let her know that I, I, I love you. I made a mistake but I'm going to respect this opportunity that you have. Yep. She did give me those chances. And and that happens, man, that happens. All right. But you, and then you say, I'm going to give you this. I have to give you this because I respect you and I love you. That's going to be the hardest thing you will ever do in your entire life is to actually let something go Mm -hmm. or let her be autonomous without you. You're also facing a personal fear, the fear that somebody else is going to jump in and take off where you left off. Mm -hmm. And that's a fear that you're going to have to overcome in and of yourself. Trust me, bro. Trust. Just trust me here. I respect you enough to let you go heal. During the time that you're letting her go heal, you're not sitting idle. You're getting dope at what you do. Mm hmm. Professionally, you're getting better and better and better. You might be at the top of your game. And I think you are at the top of your game because I saw some things. But you might be at the top of your game right now professionally. Continue to grow. Grow other parts of that profession. Um, Personally, as a man, begin to grow and look at things that's going to actually help build you. That's going to help make you a better person. Education-wise, spiritually, all these things compound and they actually help build who you are. And I guarantee you, just from personal experience, when she sees you again, she's going to see someone different than who she left. And that's going to be the, that. And that's the end goal right there. Necessarily, whenever anybody, men and women, go back to old relationships, you can't go back as whom you were when you were in it previously because those old people messed up. So you have to be brand new. Trust me on that. All right. Mm-hmm. And then if if you're seen brand new and you're a better person, there's a highly high likelihood that she's going to give you another opportunity. All right. Even if she dated. I know I, that's hard to hear, 
gone through it, even if she's dated, mm-hmm. she's still likely to give you another opportunity because there's familiarity there. There's connection there. She's, she ain't just walk away. She, there's still some connection there, but I don't want to give that to you because I don't want you working on that because that's coercion. Yeah. You don't want right. to play with those. Right. You don't, you don't want to play with that tie that you got. You want to continue to grow in and of yourself and let her see you differently. That happened directly to me before. Talk about it almost every week now, huh? Um, happened to me. Ex-wife, many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, I want a divorce. No, you can't have a divorce. Give me a year and let me be better. Okay, I'm going to give you a year. Year up. You still want it? Yeah, I still want it. Ain't nothing changed. Okay, I'm going to give it to you. Boom, she gone. I began to work on me. I was forced to work on me. Educationally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, as a man. Less than a year. Less than a year went by professionally. Less than a year went by. Hey, I just want to holler at you for a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She had been dating. She had gotten to the place where she was asking me for some dating advice, blah, blah, blah. Then it was, why don't you come on through? Show this thing my way. (laughs) What do you call it, babe? What'd you say? Hey, uh, hey, big head. I got got the bed. But that's because I was a different person. And and I'm going to tell you something else, man. As a different person, I don't want to prolong this because we got other questions. But as a different person, what I didn't know is I outgrew her. I'm going to tell you this as a man. It's going to hurt and you're going to have to grieve through it. And you are allowed to grieve through it as a man. We're not ever told that. We're not mm-hmm. ever told that we can't, that 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 we, that we, we're told to suck it up. Right. Brother, grieve that thing. Go ahead and bury that relationship. Go ahead and bury yourself in the sense of I'm going to be a new man eventually and work on that new man. And here's how I know you're going to make it because you actually, you're actually asking the question. Most men won't ask the question because their pride gets in the way. Right. So I can tell you that you're going to make it. But you got to begin without her. If you do it without her, by the time she comes back around, she's going to be like, who is that? I know his name still, but that's not the same guy. Got it? I hope that helps a little bit. I know it's not the answer that most men are looking for. Trust me, because I, I, I get the back and forth all the time, all the time. But I got young men who say, thank you. Thank you. Right. I went on, I went forward, and I feel better. I'm better at what I do. I'm a better man. I'm better at all these different things. And, yeah, they did notice me, but I, I wasn't really feeling that right now. I'm, 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 I'm moving in this direction. Right. Ain't that powerful? It is very powerful. Okay. So, I'm sorry. We, we really hit that hard, but I just wanted to make sure that we gave you some I want to make sure that I gave you some good direction as well as making sure that you know that you're, I understand you and I have compassion for the pain that you're going through right now. Should you stop dating when each, uh, when you reach burnout or keep meeting new people with an optimistic outlook? Um, Listen to your, your, your mind, your soul, your body. I mean, if it's burnout, there is a reason. Um, I think, 
when you are simply out there dating just to date, simply out there going out just for the sake of going out, you miss opportunities to take take a step back and say, what am I missing? Why am I attracting maybe necessarily the, the wrong people? What is it that I'm missing in myself? Um, and hey, just rest, be by yourself. Because once you start dating, everything about your, um, your psyche, your mind that you start going through changes, shifts, relationships, impact us and change us and take us away even sometimes from ourselves. Take this time to be by yourself and make sure that you are resting and recuperating so that you can be better prepared. Otherwise, you'd be out there dating for dating. You might miss the right one coming around the corner, sis. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to just say it like this. Okay. Kick it. Kick it! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. What's that mean, babe? Just kick it. When you put too much pressure on dating, it does become a burnout. Yeah. It does become monotonous because you still you start feeling like you're failing or you're you're running into failures. You, you start feeling like, man, this is just taking way too much out of me. So just kick it. And what I mean by kick it is don't look so much into the deeper part of the relationship. Learn to learn to learn people. Begin to practice understanding people begin to practice hearing people and listening to people and watching people and and determining whether there's red flags or not the biggest issue is is that you don't we know that you're dating for a reason right i'm dating for the purpose of wanting whatever my long-term goal is but you don't have to put a lot of pressure on dating itself be organic kick it if you don't feel like going out if you don't feel like doing it don't if you do, when you do feel like doing it or you feel like having some company, get some company. You see what I'm saying? And enjoy that time. Learn to enjoy yourself and to enjoy others for the sake of enjoying them rather than trying to drive to a destination. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So just kick it. Just kick it. And you know, let me tell you something. When Takara and I met each other, it was, it was all about kicking it. And the reason why is, is because we were both in places where we was like, I'm not putting up with the BS no more. So this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I ain't going to do. Right. And this is who we going to be. And we both looked at each other and agreed. And we began working together on other opportunities. But the idea is uh, business, business opportunities. But the idea is, is that we were just kicking it. We were so free of the constraints of having to be something for someone or trying to make someone be something for us that we were able to see each other in our true form. Yes. And we were able to say, I like you or I don't like you. This is who I am. Either like it or you don't. We weren't mean about it. We weren't terrible about it, but we were free. Dating should be a freedom. It should be a liberating experience. You should be able to be free. And when someone doesn't allow you to be free or when you find yourself not allowing someone else to be free, you're going to burn out because it's too much. Burnouts come from putting too much energy in one area. That's where burnouts come from. You burn up. Mm -hmm. Chill. Could you please get us through a step-by-step guide for healthy dating? I love that question. I appreciate that question. But here's what I'm going to say to you. We have developed a step-by-step guide. Our our guidance is is based upon first a mentality for dating. A lot of people want mechanics, especially men. There is less mechanics and more mentality. Okay? And that's the problem. If if we don't nurture and grow our mentality and our thought process and learn how to be consciously dating, 
then then we we lose everything involved. We just feel we were, we're looking for buttons to press. We're looking for things to fix. We're looking to try to build something. Well, if I have this, then, then I should be able to get this. You're trying to calculate. Stop all that. Dating, right? <laughs> it's either disappointing, we're tired of trying, or we're sick of the same old, same old. Same people, same lies, same games, same disappointments. Oh, listen, we get it. When Takara and I met, we were in the sick and tired of being sick and tired category too. Well, to be honest, we dated with clarity, intention, and strategy, a way in which we hadn't really dated before. We dated by design. This way of dating kept us from dating in fear, dating with false hopes, or dating out of our own thirst. Dating by design gave us the courage to not be so tied up in our attractions that we weren't willing to walk away when we needed to. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you need to be dating by design too. We took the dating methods and strategies that we use with and for each other and combined them with our own coaching practice to bring you Dating by Design. Now, Dating by Design is an easy to follow course and guide that will help you to develop your own design to dating. Whether you're dating someone right now or getting ready to, this course will help you to learn how to evaluate whether where you are or are going is where you really want to be. It's so full of practical wisdom and direction that it ensures you'll never date the same again. So check us out. Go to courses.askthemartins.com. That's courses.askthemartins.com to learn more about dating by design. What should you do as a man if the woman you asked to marry you cancels a week before the wedding? And then avoids any and all conversation about the marriage. Are they they still together? Um, obviously, if she's a, if she's able to avoid conversation, then he's able to push conversation. I'm he's like, if, if you cancel wedding on me, we're not together no more. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. What you gonna say? <laughs> I'm gonna say exactly what you said, <laughs> but in a therapeutic way. <laughs> okay, here. First of all, let, let's let's. I want to talk to the man real quick. It's very hard emotionally to think that someone will walk out on you at the very last minute. It hurts. It hurts your feelings and it hurts who you are. And it makes you question yourself. You, whatever happened, whatever made her change her mind has traumatized you. Yeah. When I, when I say that, what I mean is, is that something has shifted in you ever since she did that to you. You need to heal. As a man, you need to step back and not only reassess the relationship, but reassess yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying whether you were right or wrong. I'm saying just to get in a place where you can actually not be insecure again. Being left at all, much less being left at the altar, almost, yeah. will cause you to question yourself in such a incredible way that even if you were to get back with her you would never trust that she wouldn't walk away and you will always be trying to court her favor because you would never believe or trust that you have it Mm -hmm. you have to get with you you have to get in your tears you got to get in your guts you got to get in your you got to get into your heart man 
You got to take off. You got to get by yourself. Take off your armor. Talk to God about this thing. Tell him exactly what's on your heart. Now, you can't just say any old thing to God, but you could be open and honest. You understand what I'm saying? It's like talking to a father. That that hurt you. It angered you. It broke you. It frustrated you. And she won't even give you an answer. Man, are you serious? You are going through. You burning up right now. Get by yourself. As far as she's concerned, understand that she made a decision. And we can't change who she is. We can't change why she made a decision. She won't tell you. So she's holding something back. If she doesn't want to tell you, she doesn't have to tell you. What you do is you let her move on. Let her deal with that by herself. Because the more you are around her, even if she can, even if she did carry on the conversation, there's always going to be that pressure there. Let her go. And I'm not saying not let her be not let her be accountable. Mm-hmm. But you hold her accountable by getting by yourself. That's how you hold her accountable. You hurt me. The consequence is I can't mess with you. I got to go over here so I can get myself together before I can even think about loving you right again. I love you, but I'll never love you right because I, I'm hurting right now. See what I'm saying? Yes. Let her go. Figure it out later. Keep an open question with her. Whenever you're willing and ready to tell me why you did what you did, let me know and we'll talk about it. Or tell her to write it out. Many times women don't want to tell us things because we're willing, we're about ready to give them that logical argument to argue them down and they just want to be heard. Tell her to write it out and send it to you. Whatever the case is, and then, and then don't respond, but just walk away and deal with your pain, man. Because if you don't deal with that, you're not going to love her right. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to be equipped to because you're going to be missing a chunk of you that she took away from her when she when she made that made that decision. Um, as far as the finances is concerned, huh? um, uh, if whatever investment that you put in. Oh, okay. I'm Right. No, no. Because this is a week before the wedding. Uh, right. So I don't know what investment you put in. I, but that was in the back of my mind too. Like, hey, this is all emotional stuff. But hey, let's let's not forget the financial stuff, brother. Whatever you put in, get half of that back at least. Get that back. And I'm not saying being being vengeful about it. But if she doesn't want to, if she doesn't want to marry you, she don't need a ring. Dang, that that typically is that typically is the case though. If you call the wedding off, you give back the ring, like right. wh- whatever, or you know what I mean, or vice versa. If you call the wedding off to her, she keeps the ring. But but can we have an adult conversation about what she did? Especially if y'all are still together. I'm still stuck on the fact that like if I we still yeah. if if I we're still ask, together and and because the question sounds like avoids any and all conversation about marriage. So that means at some level y'all are communicating to some degree, right? Yeah. So my question is like so rewind like so as women we tell women listen especially if you had premarital counseling I don't know if you have premarital counseling or not sometimes premarital counseling will drive you to a thing a position to say oh wait a minute maybe we shouldn't do this right 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 and that's fine but as a grown up just period if you are not going to marry somebody if you're going to carry out a relationship tell somebody you're going to marry them and then pull out a week before you at least owe them a conversation about 
uh, kind of where you're at. Um, and if you're still with them and if you're still trying to collect relationship benefits with them, it is completely unfair and it's honestly immature to be in that vicinity with them and be in that environment with them and not have an honest conversation. At bare minimum, if we're going to even try to be together, we should be going to counseling to understand what gave me cold feet because maybe it is an honorable reason. Maybe she wasn't ready. Maybe financially she wasn't ready. Like that's fine. But to do this and avoid all conversations is immature and you're taking advantage of that man by doing that to him. Yep, it's immature. It's unfair it's wrong but i will switch this no no i won't but she can't he can't he can't make her respond you can't make her respond that's what i'm saying and if she's not going to respond like you said you have every single right as a man in that relationship to walk away with your dignity like i'm not gonna sit here and bounce yeah like i'm not gonna sit here and 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 really like whimper behind you and and Act like it doesn't hurt me and stay here just to save face. Right. No, that hurts. And it, you are within your right to step away from that situation because it's almost as if like somebody like stabbed you and like you're slowly bleeding as long as they're like right there. Like I don't understand the ability to be in that proximity with them and not have answers yeah. from them. Don't be in a proximity. Don't even ask because you're, 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 you're worth more than that. Absolutely. And, and you know, we don't know the situation. She could have a very real reason why. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like Takara said, it's an immature way to handle it. It's the wrong way to handle it. So, you know, you don't need to be handled like that. Let yeah. Let it go. Absolutely. Go heal, man. Go heal. That is falling in and out of love with your spouse normal, e.g. you always love them but not always in love with them. I asked a follow-up question. Are you saying that you consistently fall in and out of love with your spouse? And she said... Over five years, maybe like three times. And so five years of marriage, what, what say you? Uh, what You said what say me? Yeah, what say you? Listen, man, listen. Look, there is no such thing as falling in and out of love. There, yeah. there, is, there is a I am taken by them and they're the cat's pajamas or the cat's meow or whatever the, cat's the case. pajamas? Yeah. <laughs> Who says that? I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, man. Okay. I'm explaining some things. Okay, baby. Do, we do fall thing. we fall in and out of being um impressed by them, of adoring them. Infatuation. We fall infatuated with them, okay? But love is not that. Love is not that emotion. Love is the commitment. Love is the actual expectation of connection and staying right there with them. And and that you did do. Do we fall in and out of that euphoria? Do we fall in and out of that infatuation? Do we yes. fall in and out of that? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. When 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 a brother stops uh like being like when when a brother stops being who we was at the very beginning. Mhm. I love you, but doggone, I'm bored with you. You know what I mean? When he stops courting you, when he stops reaching out to you, when a sister stops showing you how much she loves you, when she stops adoring you, when she stops dressing up for you or keeping herself together for you and all those different type of things, we fall in and out of that euphoria. But that should never play any part on our character and our integrity that, that uh, decided to um, be connected in love. Yes, Lord. We're connected in love. Mm -hmm. 
our 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 relationship our um what is that what what is that 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 uh that uh contract the covenant that, that covenant jesus that covenant is in love you can't fall in and out of that kind of thing because that's character that's a statute that's saying i'll be there yesterday today yesterday today tomorrow and forevermore yeah so do we part but it is normal to be like, man, you get on my nerves or I'm bored with you or you're not doing anything. or We don't go on no trips no more or we don't do that. You stop creating memories together. You got to create more memory. You got to create memories constantly, constantly. There, there's things you got to do. Yeah. And, and five years, honestly, is not that long a time. One of the things we always tell people, like the first five years of marriage are going to be the, the hardest years of your marriage. And so it's also very common to th- that that journey of oneness is one that is not for the faint of heart. And so for the first five years, you're really learning each other, shedding parts of yourself that, that don't belong in a union. And you're actually be- reforming and being recreated for that union and for that marriage and so there are going to be times where you do not like each other there are going to be times where you sometimes do not like what you have to become in order to accommodate that person in that marriage it is all normal on that journey to oneness when it comes down to metaphorically dying to yourself daily and putting your spouse in front of the other and vice versa both of you are doing this right and so that is a hundred percent normal to begin to sometimes feel fatigue in that place what Kenyon said, though, is very important is that it does not ever change your disposition of character and honor in that relationship. You don't ever fall to a place of getting fatigued and be like uh, sending, hey, big head messages to somebody on in the DMs. Like, that's not what, 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 what we're talking about. It is a process of oneness. And you have to realize that it is not going to be pretty, but you do have to work together in order to get through those times where you're fatigued. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, get a, I, I don't think it's necessarily a deep counseling issue. You can yeah. get a, you could get a coach. You can actually get some tools to help spicing things up sexually, uh, memory wise, just conversationally. There are different tools out there that you can actually get. So, I mean, but outside of that, you're, you're, I mean, that, that is normal. If, if, the, if the question was, is this normal? It's normal. It's normal. Yeah. Makes sense? For sure. What advice would you give about family members who don't respect your relationship? Literally always trying to get in your partner's ear about you because they don't like you. Like every time they call, they have to bring up their feelings about you. What do you do? First of all. Bounce, 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 <laughs> bounce, bounce. I'm just playing. First of all, <laughs> what we want to do is establish what a partner is. My usually, mama told me <laughs> to tell you. I'm just playing. Usually when we hear the word partner, that means that they are not a spouse. Right. They are a partner. With that in, with that in mind, we're going to separate this because we're going to give you two different answers. How about that? Yes. Okay. So the first answer goes through the partner that is not a spouse. Here's the thing. When you're dating, you're you're actually assessing each other. You're growing in a personal relationship, but you're also deciding or seeing how much they're willing to prioritize you for your later, for your long-term goal for that relationship. Yes. Because they have to be able to demonstrate the ability to prioritize you over other people. Do they have to? No. Do they owe it to you? No. They're not obligated to do this, but they have to at least show that they're willing or able to do that. How should your partner be willing to do this or willing and able to do this? Well, first of all, there is nothing for you to... Did you just laugh? 
Oh, no, okay. Good. I was <laughs> oh, I thought you laughed. I was like, oh, Lord. Um, first of all, you have to actually give them an opportunity to straighten that out. Hey, listen, this it hurts me that every time they try to talk to you, they're talking bad about me. How are we going to handle this? Mm-hmm. And you watch them handle it. You watch to see how they handle it. If they say, hey, listen, this is not this is not a kind of conversation I'm trying to have right now. This is my girl, and I'm trying can we respect that? And they keep going, then then they're gonna have to figure that out because that's that that's stress that's coming from their side. But if they like, yeah, I know. If they just brush it off as if, if it's, that's oh, just it's nothing, my family. That, that's just my family, then that's gonna be a problem. Because if you want a long term relationship with them, that's a that's gonna be a long term problem with them. Forever. Oh, thought you should have said something else. Forever. Okay. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Listen, ladies, ladies, ladies. Let talk. Let listen to TT right now. Okay. Do not ever get into a situation in a relationship where you feel like you are going to set up an environment to compete with their family. You will lose every time. When you're every single time, every single time when you're dating someone and you can see that they make excuses for their family, they allow their family to run amok all through your relationship. They don't defend you to their family. Trying to metamorphosize yourself into something that says I'm going to be greater and stronger and I'm going to win and I'm going to pull them away to one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you'll successfully be able to do it, but you'll realize that they'll resent you for it. Or you'll see that in that relationship, that family becomes abusive and toxic towards you. And because they know that they are allowed to, because they know that your partner allows them to do it, they will continue to manipulate them and continue to leave you out. We have seen several marriages fall apart, people in our DMs, because mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, family members have consistently disrespected them in front of them and behind their back, and that spouse did nothing for it. It does not get better. There should never be a competition between you and their family. And as long as you feel that in a dating situation, let me tell you right now, get out while you can. It's not going to work. Okay. And then for if that is a husband. Okay. If that is a spouse, then they are obligated to protect you from whatever issues is coming from their side of the family. Because protecting you from that issue is also protecting you from them. And the reason why I say this is because if I allow someone to hurt you, then by proxy, I am the one that's hurting you. Mm -hmm. So if I can't protect you from them, I'm not protecting you from me. Yes, Lord. Does that make sense? And with that being the case, if I am hurting Mm. you, even, even they're hurting you by proxy through me, then guess what that is? That's emotional abuse. I'm allowing you to continue to get emotionally abused and bullied and and ran over and talked about and all these things. Now, it goes into different levels. There's some levels there, but it is my obligation. It is the spouse's obligation to handle that and to knock that out flat out. Makes sense. Yes, really quickly, because I mean, I'm gonna plug this because I think it's very important in our book covered, especially for marriages. The very first chapter is all about safety and making your spouse safe. And one of the key important things in safety is safety from outside influences. It is synonymous when in our wedding vows, it says forsaking all others. Safety from outside influences says that I am obligated to my spouse, husband and or wife, like both of us are obligated to protect the sanctity of our relationship 
relationship from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Like that is a thing. And if they could di- continue to disrespect your marriage, if they disrespect your union, they immediately become an enemy. And as, if you are not able to see that, you are then putting your spouse in harm's way and you're making the entire relationship unstable because now you have met in an environment where it is not safe for them. There we go. There it goes. Excellent. Thank you so much. Let's- yeah. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So that's not a question. I think that was just a comment, though, babe. Oh. Yeah. So okay. below that, though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Below that, though, she says, and I think it's probably the same. But y'all, if y'all are sending us the same question, I'll just explain. So I think it's that same question that came earlier in the DMs. And she says, do you think a woman should date a man with excessive amount of debt over 150000 and who doesn't know how to budget? And we got an earlier question if we can partner that if it's not the same. Sure. It says, I'm in finance. I am financially stable and my boyfriend is not. We want to get married. Is this a red flag? So here's the thing. Um, I, I want to separate them only for a, a brief time. Yeah, okay? go ahead. Mark your calendar for Wednesday. Not just any Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday is an Ask the Martins Wednesday, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, exclusively on YouTube. Takara and I answer your relationship questions and concerns live in a rapid-fire format. Ask a question, participate in the live chat, or just listen in. Either way, you will not be disappointed. To find us, go to youtube.com forward slash Ask the Martins, or just open your YouTube app and search Ask the Martins. Hey, and don't forget, hit the subscribe and the bell so that you don't miss us. It's an Ask the Martins Wednesday, every Wednesday, live, only on YouTube. I just want to separate them for a brief time because here's, with the question that's live right now, do you think a woman should uh, uh, should date a man with excessive amount of debt, one hundred fifty thousand, and who don't know how to budget? What part of that is the most important part of the question that gives you the idea of whether you should move forward or not? It's the I don't know how to budget. I you don't. I do know you don't want to enter into a a a marriage with unmanageable debt. If you're mm-hmm. just dating, you want to see him try to manage that. You want to see what he's doing to manage that. How is he paying it off? How is he working towards it? What kind of plans does he have? You want to see him to be able to manage Because if he's able to do that, because so many people are going to school and coming out of school and they're coming out, you got whole you got whole doctors coming out with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth mm-hmm. of debt. And as much as they're getting paid, they still going that that debt is being stretched out. So I don't know if that's fair to only look at the debt but it is fair to look at the budget look at the habit look at the spending habits looking at how they're looking at solving that problem because how they solve that problem or exacerbate that problem will be how they will solve or exacerbate any other financial problems with you so that's very important i'm flipping over to the i am financially stable and my boyfriend is not we want to get married is that a red flag if this is the same thing it is it is a red flag if financially stable, unstable means I don't know how to budget. If financially unstable means I don't have a job. If financially unstable means I don't live at my own house that I pay my own bills for, that I do my own things for. 
if mm-hmm. he doesn't have, if he can't keep himself with doggone it, he's not going to be able to keep you. Listen. So everything that he does becomes a statement of how, of who he will be as a husband. So it is. So if unstable is that, that is a red flag. It's, uh, if unstable is looking at the money, at, looking at the debt, but he has a plan, then that's stability. He's accessing stability. Allow him to access it as much as possible before you walk that out, though. Because if he don't access it as much as possible, mm. then both of you are going to be unstable or both of you will have that debt. You will inherit his debt as well as his ability to manage it. So watch again. Watch to see if he's ma- if he's managing it. He's not unstable. But if he's not managing it, if he's not budgeting, budgeting, if he's not putting it together, then he is um, unstable. And that is a red flag. Yeah, I just have one thing to say because you, I mean, that is beautiful, beautifully said. Listen, women, if you are dating someone or you're considering marrying someone who, let's just not just talk about the debt thing, but if they have the debt, they realize they don't know how to budget and they refuse to do things because a lot of, especially as black people, a lot of things with money comes is handed down to us and how we handle money and how we think about money generationally, generationally has been handed down to us. And so it is very hard to unlearn that mentality. But if you are financially stable, if you have risen above that, and if you have developed a good sense of money and you have someone who number one does not recognize what that money mindset should be that's the thing listen y'all we have counseled couples who have gone through things with money financially and the person literally because they didn't they don't come from that they refuse to see and it's at, at, at some point you have to want to see the error of your ways and you have to want to then move in a different direction and that's where the problem comes in it's the mindset of it and so if they refuse to move in a positive direction and they refuse to learn how to budget they refuse to go to financial planning they refuse to do anything like that you are not getting a man you're not getting a husband you are therefore inheriting a child um what what's next yeah go to that one this um, one yeah and and she asked it again later she's like i feel like he doesn't respect me because when he's out with family or takes a trip he doesn't feel the need to tell me the details when he's leaving who's there i've lost trust um okay yeah is there a part two well she just said um uh, i've lost trust for my husband because he's out and tells me he'll return one time and the result is different uh is this a lack of respect for me because it's how i feel here's the thing you did you want to say something because you sound sound like you wanted to go ahead you're good here's the thing and i'm gonna say this and you can just say whether this is facts or not but I can almost, almost guarantee dollars to donuts he was like this before you were married. He did not, and and I'm not saying, it, I cannot say whether it's a respect thing if it's a habit thing. If it's his intention, if it's his expectation, if he grew up thinking that a man doesn't have to answer or a man doesn't have any kind of accountability regarding certain things because I'm out doing whatever it is I want to do, if this is who he says who he has been before you were married, and then when once you were married, it kind of was different. Um, you wanted something a little bit different. This is just who he is, and that deserves a conversation. Do you lose? Is there a deeper reason why you lose trust? Because if he says he's with someone. And do you think he's not with that person? 
if he says I'm going to come back at a different time and he doesn't come back at that time, are we being nitpicky or is or is this something is your intuition going off? Mm-hmm. Is your intuition going off? I'm not saying you're nitpicky, but I am saying something's going on that that maybe uh, it's like a splinter in your mind. You can't. It's at the tip of your tongue. It's, it's something going on, and you don't you don't really understand it. But if that's not the case, losing trust, feeling disrespected, after he's already demonstrated this to be his capacity, uh, capability, and how he acts and who he is, we've developed we've set a precedent where it's okay for him to be that, and so that has to be a long conversation. And that might need a conversation with a mediator in between the two. Because for him, you've changed your mind. Now, I don't know this. You might correct and say, no, 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 no. He was never like this before. He was only like this after he listened to that doggone kid. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> well, then that's, that, that's, that's, that's bad. And what, what's going on if he didn't change or if he did change? And now he's different because someone else is influencing his life. That's a problem. That's a problem. When someone's disposition changed towards their spouse. Yeah. Because someone else is influencing their life, their mama, daddy, friend, whoever it can be, somebody on YouTube or whatever, then that's a problem. And that needs to be handled. That is disrespectful. But he doesn't understand why it's disrespectful because depending on who's influencing him, they got his head head gassed up with him being disrespected. Mm. So it just depends. I, I, I know that didn't answer the question. Question. Yeah, I, I think there she she said it. No, it wasn't happening before marriage, but has been a habit in the marriage. He doesn't call to let me know. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, so so his his patterns and his habits have changed. Yes. I think it's exactly what you said. So you're in this marriage, and he went from being one way, and now has yeah turned disrespectful. So that means that he knows that there's a difference. Um, and calling you, letting you know plans have changed, and all that stuff to what he's doing now. If his habits and his patterns have changed, then I think there needs to be a bigger conversation. I do not want to speculate about what's going on there, but I will say that a lot of times um, we know our spouses. We know when their good moods come. We know when their bad moods come. We know, you know, w- w- what happens when they lie. We know when they're not lying. Like we can just tell. And so, if you've noticed his patterns and his habits changing, this needs to be a bigger conversation. Absolutely, it's disrespectful. But then the the deeper issue is why and what are we going to do to rectify this? Come to Jesus moment. So she said, "How do you remove the spirit of rejection over my life? It's a spirit at a spiritual level. Nothing I do works." Okay, so what's going on is. Is that I asked, what do you mean by spirit of rejection? You're constantly rejecting someone. Someone is constantly rejecting you, or you're living under the under um, under hurt from being rejected in the past. And so, what's going on is that she finds herself always in these situations where she's constantly rejected, and has gotten to the point where she real that she feels like it's a curse. Mm. It's like a spirit that keeps following her and getting people to reject her or whatever the case may be. That's a very, very hard thing to answer because number one, um, just to, I want to be sensitive to the spirituality of it, but we don't play with spirits that are not biblical. 
in the sense that, number one, people are accountable for the decisions that they make, so there's a reason why they're making them. And number two, we don't believe that there's something that's haunting you in the sense that there's um, an influence or an influencer that's causing people to reject you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. You agree? Yeah. With that being stated, what I want to do is I want to draw some kind of, uh, but that doesn't prohibit prayer. Certainly pray, but I want to, if I was to have you pray, I would have you pray to have your eyes open to what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it could be a myriad of things. Um, I don't know if you're an introvert. I don't know if you're socially awkward. I don't know if you have uh, different personality um, uh, quirks or whatever the case may be. None of those are wrong, but there might be something that people are, are running into that they're finding different. Okay, Um, so it might might cause you to look deeper into you, not to keep people from rejecting you, but to receive yourself as who you are and understand this is my normal state of being. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, you also we don't know you. We haven't had the opportunity to talk to you. So I'll just call it out. You might want to think about your disposition. What kind of disposition do you have in these social um, social areas, in these different places? What kind, what kind of things are you saying? What are the interactions? What would they say? Sit down and, and ask yourself, what would they say about me? And even if you're wrong, you're going to come close because of how you feel. You see, so if you said, I don't think I'm mean, but I think they'll say, I think they'll say I'm mean. Well, then right there is the juncture where you say, what am I saying that's uh, or what's in my disposition that comes across as being translated as mean? Does that make sense? So these are things that you want to begin to to talk to yourself about. Definitely pray about it. I mean, you know, go to the manufacturer about, you know, how to work the equipment. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want you to get overly, I don't want you to get overly spooky about it to feel like you're being haunted because you might miss something that might help you grow personally. Yeah, I think too. I mean, think consider and not because there's anything wrong with you per se, but maybe you should talk to someone. Consider therapy. Consider going to talk to someone as well. Because here's the thing: a lot of times, especially in um, an environment where um, you know church environment where we're being you know marriage is being pushed on us, and you know everything is being pushed on us as far as how we should be. We should be like this. We should be that. We should be getting married. We should be doing that culturally, like all this stuff. And when things aren't happening in a rapid fire way that we want them to, sometimes it causes us to be put into situations and constantly feeling like we're being rejected by people. When if we take a step back we got to look at the dating process as well. Dating is supposed to end. You're supposed to either get married or they're supposed to disqualify themselves from the situation. And so sometimes it's possible that people are just disqualifying themselves and exiting out of your life because they aren't for you. How we encounter dating, how we enter dating situations and sometimes can continue to keep us getting hurt and rejected is that if we're hanging on to the wrong relationship every single time, 
program without properly evaluating these people before opening up ourselves and our heart to them. Rejection becomes a lot harder if we accept who we are, we honor who we are in the dating process, and then if, listen, before we offer ourselves to that person, we give we give ourselves the opportunity to exit just as they have the choice to exit as well. And when you get to that freedom of it, like we were talking about earlier in dating, it's not about rejection, it's about, you know what, this situation was not for me. But so that you are not in an environment or in a situation where you're blaming yourself and you're saying, hey, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I need to remove this spirit from me. No, get to a place where you actually get to know yourself and accept yourself and receive yourself. And sometimes that does take therapy. Uh, She said, our communication is bad. How do I tell my husband I want to know about the bills and money? He doesn't include me on anything. How do I approach him? Um, how I, about how I feel without having another meltdown. And I read that word, another meltdown. So that like really feels like you've had this ongoing friction between you. Um, I think you need to properly sit down and tell him, like, I don't feel like I have a voice. And that's one of the things that's really important in a marriage, to to be honest with you. Like being in an environment with someone where they have you have no control over what's going on around you. Again, it creates a situation of of unsafety for you because at any given moment, things could crumble and you won't know what's going on around you or what's falling around you. Sit down and have a conversation about like, literally, I I, I do not feel safe and I do not feel like I have a voice here and it's not fair. My my thing is that you do have to want to have the conversation with them, but you got to have there, there are certain things that's going on right now. First of all, you this is a, this would be another br- meltdown or breakdown, meaning that you've had the argument before, meaning that you've argued at him before, which means that this topic in the house is a hot topic, which means that he's going to avoid it as much as possible because he doesn't like how it feels. And you're going to try to avoid it as much as possible, too, because you don't like how it feels. Makes sense. That's the first part of it. Second part of it, it sounds like there's a natural inclination for him to control the money. I don't know whether it's a cultural thing or if if it's a control thing. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you that it's a natural inclination for him to do so. That being the case, approaching him um, has to come from that pers- particular perspective of which Dakar just laid it out. It has to come from a place where you're not pointing at him, but telling him exactly how you feel and why you feel that way. Hey, listen, I love you, and I am looking to partner with you in all that we do. Unfortunately, I feel unsafe because there are things that I don't know. I feel unsafe and unheard when I'm not being included. I don't feel like a partner when I I when when I don't know what's going on in these areas. What is it that we can do in order to make me make us partner in this area? What can we do? Start with that. And then what that does, that allows him to help make a decision to a point of solution that says, okay, how about this? And, 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 and what I would say is if he comes, if he comes up with any solution, start with the smaller solution, begin to work that in. Because again, this is either culture or it's a control issue. If it's a control issue, there's a different, there's more to it than that. If it's a culture, it's a habit. It's something that he was taught. And so he has to work out of that. So take the small piece and let's run with that, but stay diligent in that. So he said, well, I can sh- I can share um, whenever I'm making a payment with you. Um, I'll take it. 
be diligent. Did you make that payment? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to. I, you didn't share it with me. I thought we were partners. And then he can, and then you can begin to remind him and remind him and remind him. And then you can revisit the situation. Hey, listen, what more can we do together? You see what I'm saying? It grows. It, it grows. Um, um, it compounds yeah. over up, up and up and up. But you got to work towards that. Does that make sense? Yes. I would actually if, if, if you've had meltdowns, though, I would actually because there's so much emotion involved around that, because there's so much fear and anxiety around that. I would actually say you need someone mediating between the both of you. I would suggest a an actual marriage and family MFT, marriage and family therapist, because they can actually root out to see why he's behaving that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Go to that one. Um, nope, nope. Down, down, down. Nope. Next one. Oh, we. Oh, yeah. Can we answer that? Huh? Yep. Okay. Why does my partner continue to use my vulnerability and hurt against me whenever we have an argument? Because he's toxic. Period. <laughs> that's Period. A, that, that's that's a manipulation tool um and it's something that honestly toxic people use to talk the narcissists use in order to gain an advantage um over you especially when they're being called to accountability in an argument um that is one of the telltale tricks that they use that says listen oh so now like especially with their 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 fragility is threatened <laughs> you know and everything they use everything about your vulnerability against you in order to bring you down a buttonhole lower Absolutely. Whenever an argument that you have with someone, and when I say argument, I don't mean an out fight, outright fight. I'm talking about a debate, debating over an issue, uh, looking at the areas of the issue. Whenever that enters into an area of trying to make you feel bad or, tr or, or focusing more on you than the issue or the situation, then that person is toxic. Just saw somebody like this online talking about stuff. And they were like, well, I, well, at least I'm not this or or you see what I'm saying? Or at least I'm not that or I'm glad I am this or I'm glad I am that they are toxic. And a lot of people can't pick up on it because it's usually people we love, usually people that's close to us and people who we admire in many cases, yeah. especially those who are on that narcissistic scale. So here's what I'm saying. He is. The reason why he does it is to control you. The reason why he does it is to manipulate you. The reason why he does it is to push you in a manageable area so that he can keep you in that box. If you don't break down, if you don't feel small, then he can't manage you in his hand. Mm. So the thing is, is that now what you have to do is say, you have to approach the situation like, I, we're not talking about me. We're talking about this. Don't want to feel small. I want to feel heard and begin that process. But if it is just a partner, meaning I'm not seeing a, a, a spouse there, then you might want to reassess the relationship itself because at the end of the day, that's abusive. That's mentally abusive. What that does is, is it gets you, it starts to groom you to be insulted over and over again. Mm -hmm. And as he insults you and as you feel little, you'll look to him to try to feel bigger. And so you'll look for big words coming from him and he'll reward you every now and then, but then he'll break you down once he feels your disagreement. It's to silence you. 
it's it's a grooming to silence you in that position because as long as they can use your past, your traumas, your mistakes, your hurts against you, it means they're they're able to tell you that you're not good enough to be on their level. And so whenever they are challenged, they do this to silence you and begin to think force you to believe that you don't have the right to speak up to them. You don't have the right to stand up to them. And trust me, if they're doing it right now, it's only going to get worse. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, babe. I'm single and buying my first house. I thought I would be doing it with a partner, but uh, that's not the case. How do I get over the dream of home ownership with a partner? You want me to tell you? Get over it. How to get over it? <laughs> Say it again. Just get over it. You have to get over your the way. And and here's the thing. Here's here's what I here's what I see with you right now. This is what I see in my spirit. Now, I'm, I'm I'm not in my I'm spirit. Not, Go ahead. But this bye is what bye I'm I feel it. <laughs> but this is what I'm seeing in you right now. You are a planner. You are a person who have timelines. Time means everything to you. Um, you, you have ha- like a whole you, life plan. You have your life set out in front of you. Even in your daily day-to-day, schedules mean everything to you. You are a person who I who 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 likes to set goals and meet goals. These things being in mind, you have to have a practicality about it. What you set for the future might not be your future. It might not be right for you, or it might not be right now for you. It's okay. What you have to do is identify what I can control and what I can't control. It's okay to have a house without a man. I think the idea is is that I don't want to be moving somebody into my house or I don't want to lose what I put into it. I get that. So what you do is you date in a way that that creates the I that you date in a way where you can identify their partnership. Because a partnership isn't somebody who's going to buy a house with you. It's someone who's going to make a home with you. Mm. Does that make sense? So you want to get away from those type things when it comes to relationships and the intangible. You are a very tangible person. I sense that. I feel like that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be spooky, but I feel like you're a very tangible person. And that's the reason why um, you're able to see things like that. This is the reason why you have goals like that and why you meet those goals. So I get it. But understand, there's a greater goal for you for relationship. There's a greater goal for relationship for you. And that's connecting with somebody despite what we have, but to make sure that they don't deteriorate what we have and who we can be. Yes, really quickly, because that was so good. That was so good. Um, when we when you have very traditional ideas about family and marriage and home ownership and things like that, um, uh, w- number one, it's challenging to live our lives according to these timelines because these timelines have to include an autonomous being that we have no control over. They have to include scenarios and situations. We got a whole pandemic that probably prevented you from meeting somebody too. So like, you know, all of this stuff you have to consider that comes into play when we're making these plans about our lives. But I think also being a traditional person who wants to build a home and build a life with somebody, we feel like if we go out and buy this home uh, by ourselves, we are somehow indirectly communicating to a man that we don't need him. Mm. And that's not the case. I think you, you don't need him. So right. Sorry. But it's not but it's you're not communicating to a man that you don't need him or that you're not you're not turning off uh the right man for you. 
what I would suggest is consider this a place of wealth building for your future family. Homeownership right now, wealth building, doing things as people, you know, especially, you know, when our ancestors couldn't do this. Like you are now entering into a place that a lot of people have, you know, were not able to do 50, 60, 70 years ago. So do this and consider this an investment into your future. You are not doing something without a man. You are not doing something for the sake of like, oh, moving ahead of your plan, you are making an investment and the right man is going to appreciate that investment. And he's also going to be able to add to that investment. Go and be with the Lord. There you go. There you go. I hope we answered your questions. And I hope maybe we were, maybe I was off. I don't know. I just, I just, I just felt like that. No, but I, I, it felt like he was, but, he was on there. But yeah. Yeah. Go and be with the Lord. So yeah. Yeah. So last question. Can we do this last question? This one here? Yeah. And then and then I want to just hit this one. It's easy. Okay. Cuz cuz we left it. Okay. Um I'm having some difficulty with 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 breathing. <laughs> with breathing. Shut up. <laughs> Allergies been kicking our butt, y'all. Go ahead. Difficulty with complementality. Um what's a good way of determining if you have found a partner who's sufficiently sufficiently complementary to you? How important is it in a relationship? Well, complimentary has to do with whether you work well together. I mean, there's some chemistry there, but you also want to make sure that it's you're looking for the yin to your yang. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I'll tell you this. Let me put it this way. Complimentary, being complimentary is going to be a very, is going to be more intangible than it is tangible. For instance, oh, I can work finance. I, I do great in finance and he does great in business, and so we can complement each other in our own yes. empire. Um, he's a great visionary. Takara is an excellent visionary, and I work details. So while she's a visionary that sees so much for us to do, and we're going in all these different directions, I'm the person she goes to to say, what do you think about this right here? What do you think about this right here? And so there's a compliment there. Yeah. However, if we did not have that, will we still be a good? Um, will we still be a good couple? Absolutely, because I'm I'm not looking I'm not looking for a power couple. I'm looking for my wife. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it, that that's a very important thing. Um, so the it's the intangibles t- intangibles about how we connect with each other, how we walk with each other, how we do things in the house, how we govern the house. It's those intangibles that really um, Listen. that really makes makes. I mean, the the other the tangibles means a lot too, but it's the intangibles that make it a lot as well. Yeah, but you make a very good point, though, because I think complimentary, it, it can mean so many different airy things. But I think two things you just said. The first thing you talked about was partnership. How do we work well together? And it doesn't. It, and for you, it means different things than it would to us. But it's being able to work well together. I think complimentary is probably the most important in talking about how what you know, what we think about money, talking about, you know, how we were raised, our home cultures and, you know, our 
we going to be compatible in a home together? Like, listen, stuff is simple. Trust me, y'all. Stuff as simple as how you put the toilet roll or toilet on the toilet roll can can be something that you can bump heads about consistently. But like these, like very practical things, complimentary um, from a place of being complimentary are honestly the most important things because you would be surprised at how many of those types of things will derail your relationship before um, can we be a power couple? Like, can we work well together in a partnership? It should be your motivation. And what I get from that, and tell me if I'm wrong, complimentary can be developed as long as you can identify the areas yes. in which you're which you're different. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So comp being complimentary of each other or with each other can be developed. And I'm not sure if we answered that question as, as well as you wanted, me, wanted us to, but um, that's how we see, um, uh, you know, questions about chemistry and complementary and all these type things. The, the thing is, is that we want to make sure that you're happy, that you're healthy and that you can grow as one and everything else will fall in place, especially with God as part of the process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Hey, if we didn't answer that, please hit us in the uh, inbox with a little bit more of what that complimentary means for you. This is the last question. I just wanted to go ahead and answer this, leave it off with something that we should have answered last week. Okay. Um, how do you know when you're grown, when you've grown? How do you know when you've grown? When I leave. <laughs> right. Uh, how, <laughs> how do you know when you've grown or healed from past traumas? How do you know when you've grown or healed from past traumas? Well, truth number one is we often don't fully heal from past traumas. Does that make sense? We often don't fully mm. heal from past traumas. It's who we are. Again, we have we have who we were before the trauma, the car accident, then who we are after that accident, after that trauma. So who I was was a, a, a able-bodied, upright walking male, had an accident. Now I have both my legs broke and I can't walk anymore. Okay. Then I have to go through the rescue process from the ambulance and, and the jaws of life. Then I have to go through the hospitalization process where I get um, get my legs set and all the pins put in and all the pain. And then I go through the rehabilitation process. So I'm sorry. So we I get from a point of walking upright on my own to a point of limping on my own, but I can still go my own way. Mm hmm. You know you are done. It's, it's, I'm different before and after. I'm, I'm a different person. But how does being different affect my day-to-day? -day? Mm. That's what you're looking at when you're trying to deal with how do I know if I'm healed or healed enough? Because at the point of the accident, I can't go, go, I can't go do grocery shopping. At the point of the surgery, I can't do grocery shopping. At the point after rehabilitation, I can limp into the grocery store and get all my needs done. Relationships. I'm in this relationship. I'm happy, healthy, and I'm, I'm, I'm vibrant. They hurt me. After they hurt me, I am broken. I can't sustain any other relationship. I'm mending. So I think about relationships. I would like my old one, but I know I need, some, need to move a little bit more. I'm, I have been rehabilitated, meaning that I'm considering relationships, but I'm considering them cautiously just to make sure I don't get hurt again. That's limping. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now you're in a place where you can consider a relationship and you're not so hurt that you're going to hurt someone else or drive someone else off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's very important that um, we understand that because a lot of people have this, this, um, a lot of people have this uh, this myth that I have to be holy and fully healed. Now, we don't want you going into bad relationships after bad relationship and, and just breaking yourself and breaking other people and bleeding all over everybody. Now, now it's a carnage. We don't want you to do that. But we do want you to make sure that you understand that there's no perfection in healing. The blessing in Jesus Christ in the resurrection is that we can still see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. Mm. The blessing of being healed through the resurrection, and this is just from a spiritual point of view, is that we can still bear the same wounds but walk upright anyway. Your wounds and your scars may not go away. They just will affect you less. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Martins podcast, recorded live on social media and distributed to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com ask us your question or ask for a friend once again thank you for tuning in to ask the martins podcast we hope you enjoyed the program